0: welcome back to how to live the podcast we are your hosts Jess and Steph Daddon. how is Byron going Ooh, it's going real well mm. I'm very relaxed I've been to Bayleaf every day obviously. oh my
1: god I'm so jealous I actually bought some like balsamic jus to try and imitate the breakfast that we eat at Bayleaf so I wouldn't feel left out
0: I don't know if there is balsamic jus or balsamic glaze I want to call it Oh, it's not.
1: It's Reduction. I believe it's called oh, reduction. reduction.
0: I think there is. Is there? I'm, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. Okay, excellent. How's Melbourne going? It's good. It's cold. It's not as fun as Byron, but I'm having a good time. Well, I'm actually going to be seeing you this week because this Thursday we are hosting a breakfast for some awesome kick-ass women at a really really cool place in Melbourne we are going to tell you all about this next week but the whole purpose of the breakfast is to announce the recipient of the two grant which you might know formerly was called the two good grant and maybe you didn't notice the change maybe you didn't and let's pretend that never happened um so we're hosting it at a venue that is very instagrammable very pink we have lots of fun activities and activations going on and this business that we are supporting through the two grant which is where we give a female entrepreneur five thousand dollars and mentorship from yours truly. Um, This business is just amazing, doing awesome things. We can't wait to share all the details with you guys. I honestly want to pinch myself about today's
1: guests. These two women... I think we've looked up to them for as long as I can remember. So they launched Frank Body, that delicious coffee scrub that's all over Instagram in 2013 with some other founders and they have the most creative minds. Everything that they write on the Frank Body Instagram just has me in absolute hysterics. Should we tell them who it is? Jess Hatzis and Bree Johnson is who it is. Um, so they're absolutely incredible. And in addition to Frank FrankBard, they actually have a branding agency, which I'm not sure if you know, Willow and Blake, where they offer this like whole creative branding stuff to
0: other businesses, which is really cool. And the creative branding stuff is what they are so great at. And you know, we pick their brains all about that. We also chatted to them about the importance of awesome branding and why it is worth spending money on, Um, what someone starting out with limited budget should be focusing on, and they share some juicy Frank stories with us, including Ariana Grande starting her own rival coffee scrub. You can imagine our faces when they said that. So
1: stick around to the end of the episode to hear who our guests are next week. It's another duo. Ooh, can we're you really believe into the it? duos. Very that into it. Except we always have to get an extra mic, which is a bit hard. It is. Enjoy this listen.
2: We've been friends for, oh my God. A long time. I'll give away our age if I tell you how long. Yeah. <laughs> at least a decade. At least a decade. But yeah, we met when we were at uni and we were both working the same part-time job. So we worked at Red Bull. We were the girls driving the little Red Bull cars with the cans on the top. Oh, you were those girls. We were, we those, were those girls. girls right? yep. <laughs> but it was the best. It was, A, it was so much fun. And B, we learned so much about marketing. Because back then, Red Bull was such a disruptor in the industry. Mm-hmm. And they oh. really involved us in all aspects of marketing. From brainstorming to customer segmentation. Um, also, there weren't that many of you
3: at the time no there was maybe 12
0: yeah 15 15,
3: wings girls that's what we were called and they were really like tactical like they would pick People from different communities so that they could reach different areas of, the, of melbourne yeah very clever and That's then everyone had some kind of marketing or mm. creative leaning and then they'd bring us together for brainstorm so you were actually always contributing to the ideas that you'd see red Bull red bull bring to life whether it be here or then the idea would go through headquarters and they'd do it in like france or something so it was, oh, it was pretty cool. so
1: cool. I love that idea of like empowering young people, mm. like that they also have great ideas because like who cares who comes up with a exactly. good
0: idea?
3: Like it doesn't matter. Yes. So
0: do you guys feel like you learn more? Were you studying marketing, did you say?
3: I was studying journalism. Okay. I did arts commerce and I was doing one of my majors in marketing, which yeah. is it was very theoretical. I don't well, think yeah. you learn much until you really get out in the real world. Totally. And that's what I
0: was going to say. Like, do you feel
3: like you learn more at uni or do you feel like you learn
0: more on the job like on when the you job yeah.
3: yeah on the job and problem solving I think you learn tons of like analytical skills mm-hmm. at university that you are not thankful for until like 10 years later and you're like oh I could do that because I was One. forced to write essays over and over and over again so true yeah, yeah totally. we were just talking about we that like out.
1: earlier this week we um spoke at something for RMIT and they were like chatting to us about what we learned and I feel like everything we kind of came out with was that like analytical side yeah. mm-hmm. and then like the running your own business like working on the go that's just like you learn it as you go totally
3: from the mistakes you just (laughs) problem solve on the fly there's stuff you can't learn anywhere because you don't know it's a problem until you're like in the middle of it trying to fix it so that's just our life all the time yeah
0: so what has been the wildest day that you have had since starting frank Oh, or moment. If you can't, is there like
1: a crazy like moment that comes to mind? Like maybe it was like a massive
0: problem that you had to like all get together and solve, or just something where you were like, "Holy shit, is this my work? This is so (laughs) fucking cool." Oh, so many, Um, so many swear words in one
1: (laughs) question. Sorry.
3: (laughs) Um, Okay, I remember the day Ariana Grande went from being one of our biggest fans and advocates to launching her own coffee scrub. copying the product and that went into retail stores everywhere we haven't really talked about that one much but I'm like everyone hears all the like happy things all the time and I'm like that was weird because I'm like, she's going to crush us. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, when that
0: happens, you're just like, oh, we are nothing. She is everything. Yeah. She's got our whole business now. We might as well just shut We're up. It's just like, now. let's just
3: go home, guys. Um, no, that didn't go so well for her. So I don't think it even exists anymore. I think she went back to more of the fragrance stuff. No. Okay. That was a really weird day when you're like, all right, it's me versus Ariana Grande do this yeah <laughs> you like can cool we do this? this
0: cool like that you can say you're in the same like something as ariana grande yeah can we and it sounds like you beat her so well you, and you guys won <laughs> ariana grande zero yeah exactly. <laughs>
3: exactly yeah
1: she she's good doing her own things like making albums and stuff yeah like
3: she's that. pretty good at that exactly. yeah
2: exactly i'll say something positive just to go like for it <laughs> balance me out Counteract. <laughs> i'm gonna say probably when we went to mecca maxima here in australia and we we went to mecca which is this store we've been shopping at since forever hmm. Um, and somewhere that we really wanted to be in And Frank was on the windows We had a gondola And it was just one of those pinch yourself moments mm. Oh how cool so is that cool. And what's a gondola? They're the, the main sections in the middle of the store So instead of being on the sides in skincare We were in there with the colour cosmetics In the middle of the store On I don't know how to like describe it base Like those that all yes. of the yes. products yes. are sitting on It's behind, like sitting. a
1: floating yeah. boat in the middle of the exactly. store a exactly. gondola That's
2: funny Exactly <laughs> So we were there So it was a really good position And they were really supportive for, for us And that was just yeah, amazing to see people physically buying your product in real life Mm, because because you've been online for so long and it's you don't get that same rush from seeing shopify sales (laughs) tick over as you do from seeing someone literally pick something up off the shelf read the packaging
3: smell it put it in their basket and go to the counter yeah i reckon that's what you guys will notice as you push into retail more like we were creeps we would go stand in mecca and urban outfitters like near our stand and i'd just wait for someone to come over and they'd start picking it up i'm like hi <laughs> how'd you find it and like you just learn a lot and like you can see what people put, pick up and put down and what they are and aren't interested in so was, totally yeah yeah we um we recently
0: did a pop-up at david jones chadston and it like in yep. the entrance on the shoe floor um we had these like metal pink dome clutch things cool. so that people could kind of pick up yeah. and it was we were launching our sneaker which we call the sneaky so it was we're up to something sneaky so they could look underneath it oh that's cool and well and when we conceptualize these ideas by the way we always reference frank and like you know you guys like push the boundaries completely with that That stuff but we were totally standing in the corner we were those creeps the entire weekend and we were just like watching little kids and adults and everyone picking them up and looking well and it,
1: it also kind of meant that we got to hear the other side of it so like i remember like one day i would be like standing in the corner waiting for people to say all these awesome things and sometimes like. I remember this one little girl was like, oh, those shoes are so pretty. And her mum was like, no, they're not. They're disgusting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny seeing it in person as well because yeah. you don't really hear the other side of that. Where, oh, I mean, sometimes we do on like Insta comments or whatever, but that's also a really funny thing that in person <laughs> we get to out. hear those horror stories as well. Um, so, well, we know so much about the Frank story and how you guys started, but it's so, so cool. So we would love you to share that with us today. Oh, yeah. We up. can
3: tell you about that. Do you want to start? Yeah. <laughs> so it starts even before Frank Body. Mm. It starts with the first business that Brie and I launched together with Eri, and that was that's Willow and Blake. And we've still got that business, so it's a full-service branding agency. And at the time, we were really just focused on copywriting, tone of voice development, and a lot of social campaigns. So I don't know if you guys remember jelly bean sandals yeah yeah Yeah. okay so christian who was a friend of ours calls us and he's like i've ordered twenty thousand pairs of jelly bean sandals like how the fuck am i gonna sell these but the adult ones yeah the ones you can't just put them on tiny feet so we worked with him coming up with a campaign and this was i reckon like eight years ago something like that right when instagram was launching and we were using instagram and facebook and like photos of your feet and it was all like selfie-based UGC and that kind of took off and he sold through all 20,000 pairs of shoes. Oh my God, that's amazing. And like obviously to, you know, he was doing a lot of great work with his team there as well. Um, And so we started seeing a lot of success on this idea of utilizing social in a way that brands weren't at the time. Like it just wasn't the done thing.
1: Mm, Eight years ago. Yeah,
3: it was a long time ago. And we always had clients come to us asking for bold and risky ideas. That was what we liked to do at Willow. We're, I guess, somewhat esoteric, for us, we just don't want to pump out the same work that people have already seen before. And clients came to us knowing that that's what they were getting, but then when they would see that idea, they were often scared um, mm. and they'd ask us to dial it back or they'd be like, here's our competitor, can you just do this? And we had no interest in doing that. So f- for myself and Brian area, it was really about a creative challenge um, and our two business partners, Steve and Alex, were really looking to move into the product space. So... We were all in service-based industries and I guess there was a limit in terms of scalability. So I'm going to hand over to Bree to tell you the story <laughs> about how the product actually came to be because we've gone through like six months of brainstorming pretty average ideas um, until one day Steve came to us with the idea for the coffee scrub.
2: Yeah. So Steve, who is our co-founder and also my husband and baby daddy, <laughs> <laughs> um, he had a cafe in Port Melbourne called Station Street Trading Co. He also had one called Tall Timber, which I believe you guys used to come in too. I used to both of those. I didn't really? realize he had oh, Station Street as well. So nice. So yeah, these ladies came into Station Street Trading Co and they asked for the old coffee grinds and they told Steve they were using it as a body scrub. And he's obviously very entrepreneurial. And I think particularly when he was behind the coffee machine, he had a lot of time to think. Yeah. And so they left and he just was like, that idea kind of kept ticking over. And obviously we'd been talking about this product that we wanted and we had a few different categories that we were looking in. And the natural skincare space was one that really appealed to us. A lot of people were conscious of what they're putting in their bodies and what they were eating. We were really conscious of that. And so it made sense to us that people would start to think about what they were putting on their skin. So at the
1: time, were those women that came in, like, were they total hippies? Like, was that, like, not a done thing that you no. would put
2: coffee on your skin? They were like 50 year old women. And they, like, they told him they were using it to treat, like, cellulite, stretch marks. It was one of those ah. old wives' tales. Cool. Um, you know, they've been doing it for years and it, like, was just common. And yeah, actually I had a really good relationship with them. Um, people have often asked us, they like, have they ever come back and been, like, tapping on the window? Yeah. Like, where's our share? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, they haven't. <laughs>
3: one of the things we discovered as we worked through it was that using the recycled grinds isn't at all the right way to do it because the key property in the coffee that, does things like target stretch marks and that is the caffeine Oh, and the caffeine's in the cup of coffee and then you just basically got these grinds which are great for exfoliation but there wasn't really any added benefit so so there you go those women didn't know where it was at they have have no claim to this concept at all
2: And we actually we source our coffee specifically to have a really high caffeine content because that's what's the active ingredient, and so we don't use um, arabica coffee, which is what you'd normally find in a cafe. We use robusta coffee, so it would actually taste terrible if you were ah. to use it in a coffee, but it's amazing as a body scrub.
0: Can you ever get like a, a high if you like a caffeine high if you use enough of it on mm, your skin? Good
3: question. I don't know. <laughs> Someone don't know. should do that. We it's should like try. A YouTube challenge. <laughs> we challenge. Yeah. Really should
2: um so anyway very typical startup story we literally got the coffee from the cafe we got sea salt and sugar from our kitchen cupboard we got oils from the bathroom cupboard and mixed it all up on the kitchen table and we each took home these little doggy bags and got in the shower and tried it and made a huge mess um but you have this moment and I think what's so nice about Frank is everyone has the same experience or a a type of experience where they're like oh what's this going to be like it's a bit messy it kind of looks like coffee but then when you use it you're like wow my skin feels incredible this actually works Mm. and it's not like you have to use it five times you get that feeling straight away like as soon as you walk out of the shower your skin feels like silk you've got this light sheen you know you feel you feel awesome and that's a really fundamental part of our brand is making babes feel great and that's what the product does so pretty early on we're like okay there's something in this if we like it that means other people might like it so Jess Erica and myself really took the lead on the brand and the marketing side and the boys really focused on the dirty work so the logistics and the operations Mm. and how the hell we're gonna find all the ingredients for that which at the time meant going down to Coles and bulk buying salt and sugar Mm -hmm. oh my god (laughs) yeah
3: Yeah. that is really a startup it was true startup it was like mixing in big pots and then we upgraded to this tiny cement mixer that we called Frank the Tank so someone would just be on like rotating duties and then you'd be like pouring it into a bag you'd be labeling and there would just be bottles of wine and pizza and a tv screen <laughs> oh my it god it was not glamorous that sounds fun. yeah that it sounds was fun. like so much fun it was, it was it was fun
2: like we had all of our friends and our family like my parents-in-law literally would run the day shift
1: <laughs> oh my god that's amazing. and they were like so strict
0: yeah <laughs> I think what's really funny is that like you know you said it's like a typical startup story and I and it is and I feel like it has this whole other side to it though, that most startup stories don't, which is like, it's usually, yeah, so we found this really cool product, and then we started selling it on eBay and then it just oh, like yeah. took off from there. Whereas you guys and like, you know, I'm want to hear if this is kind of what you attribute your, a lot of your success to is it you have this whole other side that you obviously you girls are so good at, which is like the brand, the tone mm. of voice, the name and all of that. So which one kind of came first in that? Like, had you already kind of conceptualized this idea for a brand? You were just waiting for the right product Yeah, to like, pair did with?
1: Frank already exist being, like, who he is and, like, you know, the tone that people see on your Instagram now? Was that already something that you were just waiting to figure out what
3: he did? It's funny yeah. you say that because I had totally forgotten this part. Uh, we were talking about it the other day and maybe like six months or a year yeah. before we have been working with a client that had a soap that they were trying to rebrand and so we came up with this rough concept around let's be frank and how we could kind of turn that into something a little bit more fun because the brand was a little bit dull and looking to dial it up um, but they were scared of the idea and it never went through and blah 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 and then all we really knew was that we wanted to do something marketing to women of a similar age to us and similar interests because it's like there's no easier way to market than to yourself because you know what you want. Mm, we feel
1: the same. Yeah, like mm. you,
3: you can do it better than you can anything else. Um, but it was not until the product came along mm. and Steve and Alex of talking about calling it Piccolo and we're like, oh, like it's cute, but I don't really know where that's going. And then the idea of Frank from that mm. old concept came back up and we were looking at this stuff. We're like, it looks like dirt. It's a very simple ingredients in a brown paper bag. Like there's no BS here. No bells and whistles. Let's just be honest and let's be frank. And so that's how the whole concept Mm. came back to life. And
2: it's always a tricky one. People say, you know, what's more important, product or brand? And you have to have an awesome product. Yeah. Um, But you also have to have an incredible brand. Like you can't have one without the other. Yeah. Um, And I think... Our success is that we have both. We have this product that works, that does what it says it's going to do. And then we created this whole story behind it um, and it stands for something more. And that's something else we talk a lot about is that we've obviously had a lot of copycats and people can copy your product, but they can't copy your brand.
0: Yeah. Well, I think people have tried to copy your tone of voice as (laughs) well. because You guys kind of started that whole, like the product is a person Mm -hmm. and has a personality and, you know, being influencers at that time, we started to get sent products from yeah, other brands yeah. that were like, hi, I'm a soap or whatever yeah. it was. And we were like, well, we know where they got that from. Yeah. Like, how did that kind of feel that you, you kind of came uh, up with that and then people were well, running with it?
3: I don't,
2: at the time, yeah. at the time when we were younger, you know, the first few times you get a bit defensive. But now that we're older, you know, it's flattery really. Yeah.
3: yeah and I don't, I don't think that we were the first people to personify anything. Like that no. is a thing that people have been doing. But I mostly found it weird when it just didn't make sense. Like mm-hmm. there was no person's name, but then it was talking in first person. I'm like, mm-hmm. what idiot? Like, I just Weev. don't do understand how language works. Like this just makes no sense. You've got a chair that's called <laughs> potato and it's like, I'm a chair called potato. Like it's just why? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chairs don't talk. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, then the copyright, like we're copywriters by trade. So then that would just grind my gears more than anything. Yes. Now I let it go. It's okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So um, I guess like we know so many people that um, start businesses and things and like Steph mentioned, you know, it's all about this great product and I think like where people feel really daunted is on that branding side and it seems to just be forgotten about and it it feels like you need to have both sides. I know we've definitely felt that a lot with our brand Tubes.
0: Um, Even like when we were starting Tubes, like we knew that the brand needed to be awesome but like coming up with this logo and this tone, tone of voice, like... It's, you, you know, you guys, obviously that's what you're so good at, mm-hmm. but when you're more entrepreneurial or more product focused, it's hard to kind of like even yeah. know where to begin with that stuff. Or
1: even like more creative, like a lot of like up and coming fashion brands. Like we love to see like so many awesome emerging designers in Melbourne and they're so talented at making product, but then it's like, they're missing that other yeah. side, like mm-hmm. the soul to their business. Um, So I guess, like, we were really interested in, like, you know, where do you even begin? Like, if someone's, like, coming to you and they're like, I don't have this product, I don't know how to find my brand. Yeah.
2: I guess the place we always start with is the customers. Um, So really knowing who you're talking to um, and whether that's someone, that, an, an area that you have access to, if you're a celebrity or an influencer, or if that's a customer you understand or a customer that you think is underserviced and really honing in, not just on how much money they have or, you know, how, what level of education or where they live, but really what they value. Um, so we look at yeah, what drives them and what drives their purchase decisions. And obviously that's very, very different depending on location and your status and everything like that. But there's certain segments that value certain things. And if you can really tap into that and think about what makes them tick, I think
0: that's the best place to start. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, kind of defining who your customer is, because so many people just kind of like go out and start something and miss that step. Mm. And they're just kind of like, oh, got to design something cool. But I think without that kind of like integrity of really understanding your customer, you're not really building anything for anyone specific in mind. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And a lot of people think about what they like. um, And it's one of our pet peeves. Is personal bias and something that we're constantly trying to overcome ourselves and trying to instill in our team it's not like oh I don't like purple or I don't think I like that smell it's like what do our customers like mm. if you don't like hot pink that's fine but you know our audience profile says they love
3: hot pink yeah yeah so let's go for it yeah. I what think if- it's like always about removing your ego from the work and that's what we talk about all the time and we had to go through this realization that as we grew as a brand our customer had actually changed quite a bit Mm. and we were trying to force this type of content towards her and it wasn't resonating because it wasn't what she's interested in and we're like there's a lot of self-reflection involved in like I made the wrong decision I was doing that for my own reasons and not for really good commercial reasons and it's a hard it's a hard realization to have
1: we actually had that exact same situation where like when because we kind of we started out like as a blog through how to live um and what we were doing was really resonating with like younger girls so then when we decided we were coming out with a footwear brand we were like oh like it'll be for those same younger girls but then that was five years later and they had kind of grown up Mm. and we had kind of grown up so we went through this like push and pull kind of period where we were like who the hell are we even trying to market these shoes to? Yeah. We don't even really like them. Like, some people our age aren't going to like them, but like the younger people, we don't get them. Like They're in a whole other generation, yeah. and we kind yeah. of had to relook at things. And you're right, Like it definitely takes like looking at yourself and kind of like taking the ego out of it and being yeah. like, what are we actually trying to achieve here?
0: I think another mistake we made was that like, we were like, everyone should have these shoes. Same. Yes. So yeah. Like you're just, <laughs> yeah. You're just like, I want this to be the biggest thing ever. So everyone has to like it. Yep. And then we were like, oh wait, but no one likes it. And that's when, you know, we went kind of through that like customer defining point where we were like, no, let's like focus on people that are just really going to absolutely
3: love them and grow it from there. Yeah. We were exactly the same. We were like, this is skincare for every babe. And there's something about, when you're playing in this space for natural products that you want it to be suitable for everybody but as soon as you try to be everything to everyone you end up with a diluted message that resonates with nobody so we started getting the very segmented and looking at the benefits of the products and the ingredients and I guess different segments of the market that would actually resonate with it and we've seen a lot of a lot more success since we started doing that.
2: I think the other thing that's interesting to think about is what's your northern style or like what's your mission and your purpose and that's something that we help our customers at willow and blake to come up with and something that we've we've always had an idea of what we wanted at frank but actually writing it down there's something so powerful about having it written down and making sure everything just isn't in your head as founders that's one of the other biggest mistakes we had it was just us the four of us but mm. at the very beginning and so we're like we'll just do what we want and it's fine it's in our head i know the vision but then when you start getting more team members involved when you start bringing in external partners when you start going into retailers it's not enough for it just to be in your head it has to be translatable so it has to be written down and something that other people can understand and then replicate because otherwise the brand just gets diluted um, and so going through that process and actually documenting what you stand for who you are and what your mission is is I
3: think really important it is inspiring been so important to onboarding our team properly. that's so so interesting because
0: i think everything you guys do when we were kind of chatting about frank we were like they're so true to their brand you know like mm. everything that you see frank puts out there is so frank like i saw on instagram you were like oh we're chatting with a sex therapist send in your your sex questions and i was like oh genius like so frank and Mm. like is that how do you do you kind of like constantly come back to like that vision is that how you kind of like are always making those decisions and making sure that they're staying true to Frank yeah definitely do and we have our guiding principles as well and um,
2: I guess on that one of them is risk it for the biscuit Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is also my life motto (laughs) and I think that's something that's really important for us at Frank is that when we launched this brand yeah we didn't want to be the same as all the other natural beauty brands that were a bit more soft and lovely we wanted to be bold and sexy Um, and it's something that can sometimes be scary you're like you know, we do have a younger audience, or there's a conservative audience, and if we start talking about sex on our Instagram, is that okay? We're like, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. An That's whole part fine. of life. That's how we all exist. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorites. One of the girls are like, can I put the word vagina on Instagram? I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: like, yes, Amazing. you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always scary when you're like stepping out and doing something like that, and like. The worst thing that was going to happen was that people didn't like it, but then it's turned out for the best where people love and totally embrace it. Sorry, it was orgasm, not vagina. (laughs) It was. But vagina's allowed too. Vagina's (laughs) also allowed and
2: orgasm. All natural, all healthy. Go for it. (laughs) So,
1: and then like, You know, obviously, I guess, like, people look at brands that have so much budget and they're like, oh, like, I can, they can afford to, you know, get Will and Blake on board or get another branding agency on board. And it can be daunting because they're like, I only have a limited amount of budget. So, like, are there, like, some simple things that you feel like brands could implement that, like, would just kind of have the biggest impact where it's not, like, a lot of dollars
3: spent? Yeah, it's a tough one because, I mean, we didn't have a huge budget when we started frank or Willow, but what we did spend we spent on the things that we couldn't do ourselves and it's really easy to downplay things like brand and copywriting because you're like i exist i can write i'm an adult doesn't mean you can write like a copywriter true so we're not operations experts or finance experts so we have other people that do that stuff better and i think it's not looking about those things as an expense it's looking at them as an investment in your business and if it's something that you're really passionate about it's like hustle work, like we worked extra jobs. Mm. Like sometimes you actually just have to really dedicate a bit of money towards those things. But it doesn't mean you have to do the best of the best every time. And like even at Willow, we understand what it's like as a small business and a startup. And so we try to tailor packages to clients that are a little bit leaner. It means you just don't get like the full mm. amount of work and then we can hand over it to the client to roll it out. But I think it's a really a mindset thing um, and think of it yeah like I said it's more of an investment
0: I think it's so awesome to hear you say that because I think for people starting out they often do have a little bit of budget and they're happy to kind of like hustle and work harder to be able to invest in something but they don't know where to put that money Mm -hmm. so I think it's really cool to hear it from you guys and hear it from you know starting Frank that like if you are you're you're so right because I think copywriting or just like basic like website and product copywriting mm-hmm. people just do it themselves. Cause they're like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. yeah inv- I can speak English. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. That makes me qualified for the job. Yeah. yeah. And just like investing that little bit in that, that, you know, like the website and the product that you're going to be able to use for years to come. It's such an awesome investment and it's so important and can really make or break your, yeah. your product and your branding.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I think imagery is the same. Yeah. That was the other area that we really invested in was high quality campaign imagery. Mm-hmm. Funny
0: that you say that because
2: that was our next question. Oh, yeah. it's like we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's one of those things, everyone's a photographer these days. But if you're going to do it, just go to that little bit of extra effort. You know, Make sure you find a nice background, spend some time styling, make sure the lighting's right, make sure the photo's in focus, Try me crazy when things aren't in focus um, and if you can invest you know get local photographers get local models it can be your friends like when we first started we used our legs you know we didn't really use our faces but we used our bodies we're like you can save an extra few hundred dollars that way.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, we,
0: we're still we're our still own our foot shoe model. Like, yeah. if we go on com. like, we have models in our campaigns, but then we're, like, we have feet. They get our sexy feet. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. It's, like, why would we spend an extra $500 if we could just jump in and do it ourselves? Yeah. And I guess, like, campaigns for us is also something that, like, we used to not spend a lot of money on because we were, like, oh, you know, we can just, like, throw it all together and slap them on the website and it will be fine. And we got the advice that we should be like really taking the time to like help create the brand story like we kind of stephanie's a copywriter so like our copy has always been amazing
0: but then i'm not as good as you guys but like I she's She's, (laughs) she's pretty
1: freaking great um but it's funny because then we didn't even it didn't even occur to us that our imagery should match that and like and like hearing you talk about it, it seems so obvious if you know but but how do you know i think it's
3: about like finding iterations of things too like if you go back far enough the first frank website is so embarrassing it was terrible but like we got that up there we got a few sales coming in and then we made it a little bit better and we made it a little bit better so as long as you've always got the idea of like even if you start at a place that you don't think is absolutely amazing use the money that comes in to get there um Yeah, I think that's just the easiest way to look at it. And I think so many people are perfectionists and they
0: hold it and they're like, no, no, I'm not going to release it. And they never launch. Exactly, you never launch. Whereas you just kind of have to be like, you get to like what, 60, 70% and you're like, this is going to do for now. You need to get it out there and start getting the feedback and the initial sales in order to get it to the next level or you're never going to get it there. Yeah,
3: exactly. I think if you're going to put the time and energy into creating campaign content, you just have to know why. Like we'll have clients that will come to us at Willow and they're like, okay, we want to create a video. And we're like, okay, where's it going? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck would you want to spend 20, 30, $50,000 creating a video that you don't have a purpose for? Like, so we go back to that. Okay, what are we trying to achieve? Is it sales? Is it brand awareness? What channels will we put it on? Just like basics of a marketing and channel plan. And you'd be surprised how many people don't do that. And like, you can find that stuff on the internet. Those templates exist for free. So just start there before you go to an agency and you can end up wasting a lot of time and money yeah just
1: awesome advice just like have an outcome and ask yourself why you want to create this all the
3: time yeah Yeah.
1: so you you touched on um social media there and one of the things we actually wanted to ask you about was like you know instagram and whether it's something that you guys still manage because when you started out with frank it was like so revolutionary and Mm -hmm. your content was amazing and it's still like we were looking at it the other day and just like had us in like fits of laughter like it's so so great but obviously the landscape has changed a
2: lot from when you started till now so what do you use instagram for now oh yeah it has changed so much and it's interesting you say that because we were so protective of the instagram when we Mm -hmm. first launched it was our baby and we had such an aggressive social media strategy. We
3: posted what every hour on the hour, yeah, basically oh. almost twenty four hour. hours a day. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. So we had, like alarm set. Someone would wake up at two. Someone to wake up at three. You're on a date. It's Christmas day. You're trying to shower. Are you hanging out? You're posting. <laughs> it was just out of control. Oh my god. This was obviously pre like yes. tools. Yeah. Yeah. pre scheduled. Pre Yeah. Pre Instagram and free the algorithm. But we
2: did that because we'd see a direct spike in revenue whenever we posted. And it's just, it's just not like that anymore. It's yeah. changed so much. And so for anyone starting out now, it's a lot harder to build that following. And a lot of it is pay to play now, just like it happened with Facebook. Um, so obviously we have an organic strategy and we also have a paid strategy and they go hand in hand. The way we look at it, is I guess twofold, obviously it's about engagement, which is now another whole challenge Mm. with the likes going away, um, but looking at the comments and looking at that communication and then looking at how those people do translate to our website. So what posts are generating traffic? And we actually just ran this awesome challenge called the Frank Feedback Challenge. And the whole purpose of that campaign was to get our customers to establish a routine. So we all have these product in our shelves that we just don't use. And if you don't use the product, it's it's not gonna work. Um, and so the whole idea was just pick one product and use it as directed for four weeks. Yep. And the results that we got from our customers were amazing. We established a Facebook group and it was all that conversation that people were having, talking about how they were using the product, the results they were seeing.
3: And then at the end of it, we got like
2: how many before and afters? Like,
3: I think we had about 500 people sign up to the challenge. Yeah. And then I think so far we've got 50 or 60 like incredible, like, this is my skin before, this is my skin after in four wow, weeks. that's so cool. Yeah, because we all have that habit, right? You mm. Like you buy stuff, it sits on your shelf, you're like, that didn't work because yeah. like, I never opened it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. and, like, and just giving them simple advice. Like we were in the Facebook page all the time with them talking about things that we do and just helping them like, Drink three litres of water today. I'm going to check yeah. back in with you tonight and see if you did it. Like just simple stuff mm. that we've found has been really helpful for us if we're struggling with anything. Mm. And so it sounds cliche, but we do really
2: see social as a way to build a community mm. um, and to encourage that two-way conversation. And that's something we've talked about from the very beginning is that social is just that. It's social. It's not just us talking at our customers. We want them to talk to us and to feel involved in the brand. Yeah. And I think that's the nicest thing about the page. You go there and you feel part of this community. Yeah, mm. that's and I think
0: so great. Um, And I'm really interested to know, um, you know, like we look a lot at, you know, we also the same, we use social media to build up our community, but then we run a lot of um, ads through like Facebook and Instagram. But then another thing for us that's been really great is building up our email
3: database. Is that something that really works for you guys too? Definitely. And it, for so many reasons, obviously... We've got people there that we can talk to on a daily or weekly basis. But then the best thing that we do with our emails is survey the customers. And so at the start of the year, we did that. And we got back a list of all of the questions that we needed answers to. And then that formulates the whole marketing plan. Like for, for us, the reason we did the Frank Feedback Challenge is because we got the survey results that showed our customers weren't using the product enough. They're like, we're using it once a fortnight, once a month. And we're like, okay, so frequency of use is an issue. We need to put that into our marketing calendar. And the team need to come up with an idea to solve that. So it's not, yeah, it might look like sometimes it's like, cool idea, that was cool. But it's usually always to solve a problem. And I think Mm. that's where people can go wrong. They're just trying to come up with ideas, but they're not trying to solve problems. And that's something that, again, like we learned over time. So if you can survey your email database, it's like a wealth of information. Mm. We actually um, got that advice when
0: we're on a startup program about a year in, and we hadn't really been talking to our customers at all. And someone said to us, you know, you've got these customers, like reach out, ask them what's going on. So we ended up sending this survey and we said to people, "Um, are you available for a Skype session with us? We're the founders of the brand. And if not, could you do the survey? So we found a lot of people were like, no, but I'll do the survey because it seemed like the lesser. Uh, And we did speak to some people as well. Um, And it's something we don't do enough of, I think, you know, like we're always like, oh, we should survey again, but we never do. Like
3: what kind of things were you asking customers in the survey? We had a few hypotheses that we wanted to test out. And so we had, um, okay, in skincare, a lot of the conversation over the last few years has been, don't ever talk about like fix this problem, do that. It's like, you are beautiful no matter what, which we all know, right? Like Mm. everyone's a babe. That's been a part of our brand philosophy, but I don't think that people buy skincare products because they don't want them to do anything. Like Mm. there's a reason that we buy this stuff. And so we were really trying to test the hypothesis of like, okay, do our babes want this product to just make them feel good? Do they just want a bit of self-care time? Or are they trying to potentially help it with one of these problems? And so let's stop making assumptions as a team. Let's ask them. And so we put that question in there and we got the answer back, which was what we thought, they're looking to solve a problem and it's just an added benefit that it makes them feel good. So it was about like, okay, what things are we making assumptions about? We don't have any data backing up, it's just our gut and then test that. And then just basic stuff we're like, how old's our customer? I don't know, how old's our customer? Yeah, yeah cool. And we were the same as you, we assumed she was young because that's
2: who we started with. But the brand's six years old now and they've grown up with us. So yeah, they're, they're older than we thought. They want our products to do something and they're a lot more price conscious than mm-hmm. what we thought yeah. and it's it's so interesting because we look at our product and we think it's really affordable because obviously we use really high quality ingredients they're all natural and you know our cost of goods is, is decently high but then for someone who doesn't earn that much money or doesn't spend that much money on skincare our products are a premium price point and we know we always talk about this idea of affordable luxury and so showing value to our customers now
0: is really important these aren't just one use products this is a product that's going to last you a month mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool, because we all do just kind of make assumptions and you're you're arguing with each other and you're going, no, this is what it is. And then it's like, oh, actually, no, none of us know. Let's ask the people who can tell us. it's such a simple thing that like you often just don't even think about all the time Mm -hmm. yeah
1: totally and then like we were discussing about like instagram and things and you know the way that you kind of blew up on social media and i guess like we love to kind of um when we sit down with people who seem like you know we view as like the most successful and so many people just like look up to you and think that like it's all roses like Did that kind of like blowing up on Instagram, was it like all good or were there also like some hard challenges that came with that?
3: It was all good at first. (laughs) And then I think the challenges started to come when the algorithm set in and the expectation on us was that we would keep growing at the same rate in a completely different landscape and it was impossible to do. And we felt so much pressure mm. to be able to keep growing at that exponential rate that we had been. And we're like, what's wrong with us? We can't do this anymore. Like we're failures. Like the self doubt was real and big. Mm. Um, and we just kept trying to like shove a square peg in a round hole, yeah. make the things that had worked before keep working and they just didn't. And so then it was like, all right, now we have to come up with a second strategy that does what the first strategy did like how do you do that you can't win twice um and it took us a long time I reckon for a good two years there we really struggled with social
2: yeah definitely and I think it's one of those things people you don't talk about as much or you don't see. it's like oh they've got all these followers on Instagram and you're like yes but we've worked our ass off Mm. to get them it's not just about posting pretty pictures and you know as our team get team gets bigger and bigger there's a lot more pressure on Jess and myself because it's not just us in our lives what we do affects everyone else totally you're like okay i have to make this work because if we don't have sales coming in how am i going to pay these people how yeah. am i going to pay for this office that we're sitting at in these computers um, and that pressure it does it really builds up
1: yeah i i can imagine that like having a business and like people like depending on you in that landscape would be really tough because i know like just from the two of us like we also you know kind of like hit like a huge following really quickly and then mm-hmm. when the algorithm changed we, like, we didn't work through it. We just, like, we tried for a while, but it got to a point where we were, like, this is too hard. <laughs> <laughs> <And> how, <just laughs> we were just we're we're like I'm off. done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were fully done. Like, we were just, like, it's ridiculous. We don't understand yeah. this. Exactly. Yeah, we and
2: insane. it's such a public thing as well. Like, everyone can have an opinion
0: on social media. Yeah, you <laughs> feel like everyone's watching and everyone sees that, like, you're not doing as well as before, yeah. and that's, like, this
3: crushing feeling. Yeah, And then everyone's piping in with an idea, and you're, like, oh great but we've tried it and then you spend half your time explaining how you've already tried their idea and it didn't work and mm, yeah. yeah it was a tough <laughs> one but I don't think we started to really see good success in that space again until we looked at it as it was no longer this one marketing channel yeah. like before it was like we market through Instagram and it's like no that doesn't work anymore now we need to do pop-ups in real life what role do influencers play what role does PR play how do we do partnerships like what do we do offline outdoor advertising podcast advertising like all that kind of stuff, all leads back to social growth. So you can't just like put nice content on social anymore. It just doesn't work. Mm,
1: yeah. Well, and like basically everything that you mentioned, we had wanted to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, yeah. these are our next two, three your bullet <laughs> points. Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess, well, you touched on um, like, real life marketing like eventing and things Mm. like that like and that's something that you guys do so well that as Steph mentioned initially like whenever we're coming up with a concept like definitely you know your amazing ideas come to mind like you had this sushi train thing (laughs) on Chapel Street that was incredible is it you guys that come up with those ideas?
3: Sometimes it is like that was us saying we want a sushi train but make it pink right we just sort of had a visual for what we wanted our pop-up to look like that was one of those real pinch me moments too yeah. when we got there in the morning and there was like a line of 300 people around the corner i we just stood on chapel street and cried so oh yeah, my God. big babies so sometimes it's us because i think we know the brand so well and we just know our customer we know what will resonate and then other times like this is the problem we've got a rough idea but you guys will be able to make it better and then the team come up with awesome ideas that we never could yeah
0: Mm. and our events now something that like every brand needs to be doing like you know now that instagram we used to just be able to like launch a brand on instagram and it'll do well but now that you know there's so much more to it do you think every brand needs to be doing that i don't think so i think if you're gonna do an event you can't just As we talked about
2: before you can't just do it for fun you know, It has to have a purpose, it has to have a, a reason behind it and you have to plan it yeah. because you can't just expect to open a shop and people will come. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to open a shop, then you have to have a campaign beforehand to get people excited for the campaign, work out how you're going to tell them about it and get them to come down um obviously we give away a whole lot of free stuff <laughs> yeah
3: and like <laughs> that we, works that works, yeah. Yeah. That that works. works. <laughs> and the, the thought behind that was like we're a customer-led brand they're the most important part of our business we wouldn't have a business without them and it was coming up to our fifth birthday and the team was sort of planning a big party that none of our customers would be able to come yeah. to it was like all press and influencers which is beautiful because i have obviously supported the brand but then the customer is always left out and like no take that budget and let's give it back to our customer. So that's where we, instead of spending $5,000 on champagne, you look at what you could do for $5,000 worth of stock and give it to all of the consumers that have supported you. Um, and so that's how we kind of we abandoned that, I think, like three weeks before it was yeah. supposed to happen. the team looked at us like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. And then we got tons of press off the back of that. And it was really good for social and a lot of like our very important babes our vibs that have been part of the brand for ages came down and supported us as well so it was i don't know it ticked a lot of boxes oh yeah it was a really successful
2: one but yeah to jess's point like for every successful campaign we've had we've had ones that haven't yeah really worked
0: and it's just those lessons that you learn along the way for Mm. sure and i guess like that that's really great advice that like You know every brand doesn't need to be doing events it's coming back to that i feel like we keep coming back to this same central concept of like why yeah exactly why are you doing it having a bit of a plan and then if instagram you know we can't rely completely on instagram but then there are so many other channels that people can be looking at they don't need to be doing all of them they just need to be finding the right ones for them actually there's this really awesome book called traction have you heard of it i haven't no um and he identifies like something like 14 traction potential traction channels Mm. And takes you through how you can like test each of them with like really little budget yeah, and cool. work out the one or two that really work for you and then go hard on yep. those. I like that. Awesome. Right. I'll get this book. Mm, it's very good. Yeah. So you did mention influencers before, mm-hmm. and we're interested to hear: Are you guys still working with influencers? Is that still something that you're finding effective? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think
2: influencers or influential people will always be a part of the brand Um, it's changed a lot when we first launched we had a bit of a scattergun approach we made this huge list and we just wanted to get product out basically in people's hands Um, and we didn't even ask for anything in exchange we just literally sent them the product and it was six years ago so people they loved it they posted about it worked out well these days obviously you can't just be sending out product to people randomly you have to go through the proper processes and that would be a huge waste because people just get sent so much stuff Mm. and there's already so much wastage Um, and so we're trying to do more with less so establish those ongoing relationships with people that talk to the same customer base as us and work out how we can work together to really leverage both of our followings Mm -hmm. i think
3: you have to assume that you're going to have like a one (laughs) percent success rate So even though we do more with less for each one of those people that we work with, you probably emailed 50. Mm. And when we started, like that list was thousands of people long and that was just us emailing. And then we meet people, they're like, I don't know why my brand's not working. And they're like, I've emailed like five influencers. I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You (laughs) need to be emailing five a minute. Like go, lock yourself away for a week and it's all you do. Because it's a volume game at first to introduce yourself to a bunch of people and then you kind of have the luxury of, refining it and working at how you work with people. So the other thing that you happened to mention before was the going into retailers,
0: which we were chatting about before that we've recently kind of moved tubes from being online only to being in David Jones and some other retailers. And you kind of had the same experience with Frank. Why did you go, you know, it seemed from the outside you had so much success online. What were the reasons that you decided to move into retailers? Yeah, it was a big decision for us. Um, I
2: think Jess and myself are both comfortable saying we're control freaks. Mm-hmm. Very much so. <laughs> and what was great about Frank was we had full creative control. So everything the customer experienced from going to the website, reading about the ingredients, to how they received the packaging we could control all of that and make sure it was awesome when we were going into retailers letting go of that was really hard for us you know our worst nightmare was that someone would go into the store and there'd be this poor sad frank pack crumpled in Something a corner like and, over. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it's- fair
0: enough like concern because like, yeah. that's a lot of the advice you get given is like no you know you've got to be able to control your yeah. brand you don't want to someone out there yeah. discounting it making it look shit yeah, yeah. exactly um but if you're
2: gonna grow you need to reach new customers um, and there is something really tactile about the product well obviously it's a tactile product the way it smells the way it looks the way you make the way it feels like it's such a beautiful experience and you can't always experience that online like actually going into a shop is such a different moment um, and so meeting Joe who's the founder of Mecca was one of the pivotal moments for us in feeling comfortable enough to let go of that control and trust another partner to help us grow our brand and obviously, they're similar customers, but they're very different. And as I said, it's a different customer experience. Um, and we knew that if we were going to grow and reach new people,
3: we had to try new things. So we launched, obviously, just with Mecca. And it worked out really well for Yes. Us. And then we continued to replicate that strategy. So we launched with Sephora in Europe and altering in the US. So cool. It was awesome. It added a lot of complexity to our business, which I know you guys are going through as well. And now... You know, when you're working online, you can release stuff like the next day. Mm. We're working with this calendar that's a year in advance. Oh, oh yeah. We know cool the calendar. Right. It the hurts. crossover period where you're doing both, is mm. it's hard, but you get through it. Well, and
0: for it's, us, we're like, okay, so usually we would launch spring, summer around like October, November. But now... Because that's when it gets hot. That's yeah, when you should be selling spring, sandals. Yeah. And now we're launching in September. And usually yeah. we stagger our drops as well. But we're like, well, if retail is selling it, retail we, is need selling it we need to be exactly. selling it. So now it's like this whole big, yeah, re-shifting the way you plan yeah.
3: and think about things. Yeah, we went through that. We still go through it. You know, yeah. we're kind of in that transition phase. And as we grow our team in the US, like fighting that communication issue between the teams, trying to shuffle timelines, yeah. it's hard. Mm. Um, and the other reason was really that we had a lot of these competitors popping up mm. and we were really conscious that even though we believed in the product so much that it would be very easy for it to become an Instagram fad and just like rise and die, so to add that layer of credibility and ensure the longevity of the brand in a time where social was changing a lot and were really uncertain, like it makes a lot of sense to go partner with really premium brick and mortar retailers and solidify us as a credible player and separate us from these copycat brands.
1: That's so clever because you're right. Like when kind of Frank like experienced that like huge rush of growth, there were a few other players, not in the same um, industry as you guys, but just like other brands that come to mind that I feel like rise and then fell um, that you didn't. And that's a really clever way of going about that. I hadn't even thought of that side of it.
3: Yeah, I think uh, we've got to credit Steve and Alex for that they, they, they did a lot of the grunt work they really did like we I guess get a lot of credit for the more fun and glamorous side of the business but that wouldn't exist without people doing all of the operational and supply chain and product and finance work it's yeah and it goes unloved and I'm, I'm like no but we wouldn't be able to do this no. without those people and I've like, got a team of nearly 40 now hmm. that really support us to be able to i guess even market the brand in the way that we want to
2: Mm. but i think if you are think if there's anyone out there thinking about going into a retailer make sure you do your research Mm. and reach out to other brands whenever we're looking to go into another retailer if that's in the uk we'll look at who they stock and we'll just reach out to the founders oh cool how do you find it like you know what are their payment terms what were you able to negotiate that's Um, so clever people are generally yeah generally people are happy to share and like we're really happy to share because we're all on the same team you know we have this saying a rising tide lifts all boats you know we're not competitors we're a brand that plays nicely with others and we just want everyone to succeed and so if you don't ask the question not good if you do ask the question you might get an
0: answer guys this has been amazing like i feel like just jam-packed full of such useful information thank you so much for
1: sure thanks for
0: having us it's It's been
1: been fun awesome um so we end all of our interviews on some quick fires um which are a bit of fun yeah um so we'll just start firing them at you um the first one is what's your dream collaboration it could be like a person or a brand Mm. Oh, for
2: frank
3: yeah I actually think my dream collaboration would be if a customer completely developed the product from beginning to end. (gasps) That's such a good idea. Yeah, that's genius. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, we totally should do that. (laughs) I love if you
0: do that and then it started right here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that actually would make me so happy. what What about i saw you guys did an event with the fat jewish is that right oh yeah that was funny that was hilarious (laughs) and again that was
3: just an email like i linkedin messaged the marketing manager of their team when i was in New york last august and i was like i'm here you guys are doing cool things there's a synergy in terms of the messaging like you've just got to like the other saying is if you never ask the answer is always no so just don't feel like a dickhead Love ask people one. we did that it's how we started willow it's how we started frank we were always just asking people for advice and then providing them feedback so that was how that started that's amazing and it grew you into mind, a collaboration you don't mind if we borrow that principle go right? for it <laughs> sharing is
0: um so what is your coffee order
2: uh well, I'm usually a three-quarter latte, but because I'm pregnant, I'm having a weak latte, which is just like a cup of hot milk. <laughs> so I can't wait to actually drink normal coffee again. Mm. That sounds sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And you're on filter now, aren't you? Yeah. I've
3: always just drunk black coffee. So black coffee in its different forms. Mm. Milk is evil. <sighs> I love milk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the first thing you do when you leave work?
3: Oh, If I leave... <laughs> <laughs> no nah. um on a good day it's like to find a separation from between the office and getting home so I will walk and that's the first thing I do and I try to put a podcast on that's unrelated to work mm. and I find I like I like to learn about things and I don't want just just want to learn about business and beauty so I'll listen to like obscure science podcasts and that's my weird thing that I do when I leave work
2: yeah, mine's usually take my dog for a walk because I feel so guilty. We're lucky that we have a dog-friendly office. So often our dogs come to the office. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, I get home to a very excited Douglas, a little border terrier jumping up and down. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I spend at least five minutes with him.
0: Oh, that's so nice. Um, is it me? Yep. What is your favorite body part on yourself? <gasps> my
3: eyelashes. My eyelashes.
2: Um, you have beautiful eyelashes.
1: Yeah, those are natural. Natural. From
3: my oh, mama. Yeah. Whoa, good
1: Thick's one. Lips.
2: Usually it's my lips. Um, but at the moment, again going on that's because I'm pregnant my body has completely changed and it's something I'm loving is having boobs and hips Uh because I've always just been so straight up and down and I was saying to Jess the other day like I have more stretch marks I have varicose veins I have cellulite but I love my body more than ever because it's growing a human that's amazing that's so nice how cool is is that and I get to feel like a woman (laughs) (laughs) oh you're always a woman you look beautiful
1: um i love your guys dynamic so nice <laughs> so cute. um the last question is do you have a celebrity hall
2: pass oh or
1: if Dan, you did what turn would turn
3: off be? now uh, oh, i like a great <laughs> ticket out of jail, mm,
2: I, like, out of jail. I, I like cillian murphy <laughs> he's Ooh, from who's this, that he's from this show called peaky blinders away, like is this the peaky blinders oh. <laughs> Dude, <you're laughs> but he
3: kind of him. looks like my husband so okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. the beautiful blue, blue eyes, eyes brown oh. hair
0: you have a type, obviously. obviously. She does.
3: <laughs> who's my hall pass? Um, mm. no, I'm I thinking people who like. look like Dan. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, who's big and muscly that looks like Dan? Um, I, I would totally go Chris Hemsworth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And that's he kind of realistic. Instagram one. message. He hasn't three <laughs> in her attempt to get an answer by asking message Chris Hemsworth on Instagram because we were going to Byron Bay for another friend's hens. She's like, "Do you want to come surfing with us?" Uh, <laughs> he, he did back. it right back. Oh my did he read right it past? though? I don't well, know. Well, <laughs>
2: if you what's the what's the principle? If you don't ask, the answer will always be no. There you go. Still right? no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great
3: Christy place to end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you so much, Thanks, guys. guys.
1: Thanks. Thank both. you. wow how awesome are the frank girls they have built such a unique business and i just loved how open and honest they were with us honestly like i learned so much during that hour that we sat with them and i
0: hope you guys did too I did. Um, so, if people like this episode, are there things that they can do to mm. help us get the word out? Mm, they could click
1: subscribe. They could mm. share it with their friends. Mm. They could give us five stars if they thought we were worth it. We want to know that. They could um, comment, and they could also share um, a little snippet of them listening on Insta stories and
0: tag us so we can enjoy it. Please do all of the above if you enjoyed the episode. So next week on the podcast, what an amazing duo we have. And these ones happen to be sisters. Is this our first other sister duo? Mm, I think it yeah. is. Um, I think so. Yeah. So they are Lucy and Rosie Thomas, the founders of Project Rocket, which if you haven't heard of it, is Australia's movement against bullying, hate and prejudice which is by young people for young people. So cool. So cool. They are the coolest. I actually heard them speak a few years ago at a conference called Nexus um, in Sydney. Nexus Youth Summit, I want to call it. Um, And they left such an impression on me the way they spoke and what they spoke about. And I remember calling Jess after and just like gushing about them and being like, these chicks are just so awesome. Um, And actually also they have OAMs, which is a medal of the order of Australia, which is pretty much like being knighted by the queen here in our country. So basically next week we have
1: two queens on. Yes. Uh, That'll be next week. Have an awesome week. Kick goals and we'll see you then. Bye.